The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And thanks for taking the time to tune in with us tonight. Don't forget, if you've got friends that can't make the show, let them know that they can pick it up on podcast. Well, we have uh, two guests this evening, one that you know very well and one that we'll be meeting for the first time. Our maiden uh, is Gary Desroches. Very interesting. He's the father of the Equistim Leg Saver. Uh, He's from Canada. He's been in the business for 48 years, and uh, he started out really majoring with huge strides and improvements in bowed tendon therapy, but from there, he became the inventor of this Equistim Leg Saver. If you've been reading the headlines, you know that we've had to retire a few horses this week and sad to say euthanize another um, multiple graded winner. And uh, so Gary's going to tell us about his holistic methods of treating horses and how he's trying to get this message out uh, to horsemen around the country. The guest that you'll know very well is Marty McGee the Eclipse Award-winning writer for the Daily Racing Forum. As you know, Marty, he's from Louisville, so he's not going to be very far from Keeneland. Uh, He'll be covering the Breeders' Cup races, and uh, we're going to zone in on one specific one from this weekend, the Lexus Raven Run, that gives us some interesting angles to chew on in here. Hopefully we'll be able to bring you home a winner, and then... From there, we're going to go up to Chicago. It's the Derby. It's the Hawthorne Derby. Interesting enough, it's not a mile and a quarter. It's a mile and an eighth, and it's not on the main track. It's on the turf. Brings together an interesting group. This one, really tough to handicap. I'm dying to see who Marty likes in here. I think there's going to be a chance for you to get some odds on some horses here. But zoning in on a standout was awful hard for me. And then we go to the 125th running of the Belmont Futurity, an interesting group of two-year-old Colts. Um, We're going to see who's going to step up to the plate here. All these horses have a lot of upside to them. So we'll be uh, asking Marty McGee from the Daily Racing Forum for his input there. All right, uh, let's uh, take a look at uh, some of the uh, winners that we had with our easy win forms here on uh, Winning Ponies. Good week all over the place. Um, At Woodbine, pulled down a $1 pick four that paid just over $9,000. And then down in Lexington to Keeneland, a $1 super key returned $6,679. We do the fair circuit, too. At Fresno, a $1 pick five paid $6,400. Up in Canada, at Woodbine, $5,887. Go to the page 
winningponies.com. Pull down your easy win forms, and also you can check out the other testimonials and some of the big hits we make. We update that every day. Well, here's some great news. California Chrome is back home. That's right. He's back with Art Sherman at Los Alamitos Racecourse. The uh, horse was uh, received wonderfully. As a matter of fact, the 78-year-old trainer could hardly uh, contain himself. Uh, he was really uh, happy to see Art. Uh, California Chrome uh, left out a loud neigh as he approached him and peeking out of the trailer. Been a long road back where uh, he was bred in California by Perry Martin and Steve Colburn. Of course, Colburn share has since been acquired by TaylorMade Stallions. And as you remember, we talked to Tom Ham from TaylorMade, and he told us that the horse had just been kind of resting, recuperating, and from what I understand, cleaning out his feed tub. And uh, his second-place finish in the Dubai World Cup, of course, was followed by a well-documented and controversial voyage to England. And uh, then he went to uh, Chicago, Kentucky, but no more races. But he walked off the trailer and looked great. Uh, they said that uh, his coat was fantastic, and since he was sent to tailor-made, California Chrome has picked up about 160 pounds. Uh, and according to Art Sherman, he says he's significantly larger than he was when he was a, a three-year-old. As a matter of fact, in his stall, they knocked out the wall, the stall next to him, so he's got a great big area. They say he went in there, rolled in the hay, and is acclimated very well. Now, here's uh, what looks like is going to happen. Of course, the, he won the Kentucky Derby and the Preakness Stakes. Um, he's going to walk the shed row at Los Alamitos and is soon going to be jogging. Now, according to Art Sherman, it's going to take about 90 days to get California Chrome back into shape, and his first target will be the San Pasquale Handicap. That's a grade two in January at Santa Anita. So we'll be keeping you appraised of that. Also looking at another run in Dubai and hopefully the Breeders' Cup for his five-year-old season. I think it's great that California Chrome has uh, come back and is going to race as a five-year-old. He'll make it very, very exciting. All right, another headline grabber, American Pharaoh looking good for the Breeders' Cup. It's only two weeks away, and it looks like he is ready. He had a speedy workout at Santa Anita the other day with Martin Garcia, as always, in the saddle. Seven furlongs and 123. That would have been a track record at some of the tracks I've worked at. And uh, he had a workmate out in front of him. Uh, he had a target, and he went really well. Uh, everybody was really happy, including uh, Baffert. Uh, they uh, they say he galloped out in a double-take-worthy 135-2 and two for the mile. So uh, he's had five workouts at Santa Anita since his second-place finish in the Traverse Stakes. And uh, not 100% sure when he's going to be uh, going to Kentucky. If he remains on schedule, he's working every five days. He could work twice before shipping to Keeneland, though. Baffert has not expounded on his plans. All right, well, you know our friend Michael Blowen. We've had him on the show many times, and it looks like he got another one of his wishes as War Emblem is back in the bluegrass. The winner of the 2002 Kentucky Derby and Preakness, he arrived in the U.S. on Monday, and he is going to be uh, joining his friends and one enemy 
at Old Friends Farm. Uh, according to Michael, he says he arrived safe, looks terrific. The fans have been anxious to see him. And remember, if you're in central Kentucky, Georgetown's just north of Lexington, and you can go up to Old Friends. It doesn't cost anything. Uh, there's just uh, some fantastic uh, horses there. Uh, Old Friends mounted a, a certificate campaign to raise the funds to get him back here. And fans who donated a $202 uh Donation earned a limited edition certificate featuring Barbara Livingston's photo of him winning the Derby, signed by Baffert and Victor Espinoza. So uh, what will be interesting is the horse that upset him in the Belmont, Saraba, might be in the stall right next to him. So that was the good news. The bad news, Stone Street Stables, Rockfall, uh, the two-time grade one winner among the favorites for the Breeders' Cup Sprint, broke down just past the wire and had to be euthanized following a workout at Keeneland last week. Uh, he had just uh, completed the workout when he broke down in front of the grandstand, and uh, he was injured uh, pulling up. So very sad to know that uh, one of the fastest horses and top competitors uh, going into the Breeders' Cup will not be there. Uh, sorry for all of his uh, connections. Um, he was going to stand at stud alongside his sire, Spitestown, at Winsar at the completion of his career. And uh, everybody says the surface is just fine. It was just one of those things uh, that's happened. Um, so uh, he won't be in the Breeders' Cup, obviously, and neither will champion sprinter work all week. Uh, he's been retired because of a stress fracture on his right knee. Of course, he's a gelding, six years old, so he won't be zipping off to stud. Uh, he, too, um, just recently won uh, the Phoenix Stakes at Keeneland, a race he won last season at track record time. So um, it just got a little tough on him. They decided to check him out after a workout, and uh, the Illinois bred won over $1.5 million. So he got the Eclipse Award as Outstanding Male Sprinter, and he is going to make a beautiful lawn ornament back at the farm. Now, they have brought in a surface expert to study the main track in the wake of the breakdowns, and uh, noted racing surface specialist Mick Peterson uh, was coming into Keeneland. Peterson's a college engineering professor, executive director of the Racing Services Testing Laboratory. So obviously Keeneland doing everything to make sure that things are safe and sound for the horses coming in for the Breeders' Cup in two weeks. Okay, our jockey of the week was Arnaldo Bocaccia. And last week was the West Virginia Breeders' Classic Night at Charlestown, and uh, he had one really good night, picked off the uh, West Virginia bred horses victory in the uh, West Virginia Classic Distaff. Uh, then he would come back and won the West Virginia Tourism Classic Stakes, and uh, all nine races, of course, were for West Virginia breds, and he closed out the night with a wire-to-wire win aboard slipped the cable in the West Virginia Lottery Classic. Uh, Boca Chica is a native of Puerto Rico. You may recall he was nominated for Leading Apprentice Jockey in the 2007 Eclipse Awards. Eventually that went to Joe Talamo that year. So congratulations to him. All right, we've got some uh, news. This is that time of year when people are making plans to uh, retire horses. And Jack Milton, the grade one winner, has been retired from racing. 
uh, in advance of being offered as a stallion prospect. He'll go to Phasic Tipton, Kentucky, the mixed sale on November 1st. He's a five-year-old son of Warfront, so I got a feeling the uh, bidding is going to be pretty solid for Jack Milton when he goes through the ring at Phasic Tipton. Let's see if we can't uh, get a few others. Of course, uh, grade one winner Dame Dorothy, who's targeting the Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Sprint. She's also going to be in the same race, so that will be interesting. Now, top sprinter Secret Circle uh, looks like uh, he, he has made a decision, his connections have made a decision, to go to stud at John Sakura's Hill and Dale Farms. So Secret Circle is going to go to stud. They they really want to move him. So they are going to uh, get a really nice price. He's set a stud fee at only $5,000. And any breeder that breeds a mare in the first two years will breed for free in the third year at stud. So that should move the speedy Secret Circle. And I just found out that the grade one winner, Daredevil, he is going to stud at Windstar Farm. Of course, he won a race. We're going to handicap uh, later the Champagne Stakes. The Daredevil's been retired. Again, Windstar Farm, the fee has not been announced at this time. Let's see if we can get to one or two other uh, retirements. Uh, to stud, uh, Dramedy's retired. is going to stand at Warhorse Farm, the grade two winner. Again, uh, right now he's going to be standing for $7,500. Well, as you may recall, uh, last week we had our friend Rich Ruda on, and uh, we handicapped the state-bred best of Ohio races. Let's take a look at at how we did. It was an interesting day of races, a few upsets for sure. Not in the distaff. This was one of the ones we said was a single need more flattery. Got the job done. She's now won 16 of 25 races and passed the 600,000 mark. She's a four-year-old filly, need more flattery, trained by Tim Ham. Also on the card, we had the sprint. This was the other single that we said, and it was not disappointing. Rivers runs deep. Malcolm Franklin had to uh, work for it. They tried to pin him down on the rail, but Rivers run deep did get loose and uh, got up to win the best of Ohio sprint. He is best when he's going short. From there, the uh, juvenile and uh, we were close, but no cigar on this one, me and Rich Ruda. Um, $150,000 juvenile. This is the boys' edition. And uh, the winner in here getting us by a neck, we both liked uh, Asmussen's horse, Sawyer's Mickey, was Unbridled Trick, a horse who was winning its first career race, a son of song and a prayer. Uh, from there, we had uh, some... Uh, Bad news in the John Galbraith, Cassie Lou, a horse uh, that sold for $100,000 to our friend um, Ron Paolucci from Luch Stable, had the lead and broke down in the lane. So I really feel bad for that. Uh, my top pick in here, school board prez, got the job done for Doug Matthews, who trains up in the Chicago area. So that horse is now running three races, all three of them stakes victories. And we uh, will close the card out with some good news 
for Ron Paolucci because in the $150,000 Best of Ohio Endurance, it's a mile and a quarter. One of his horses, Dubacious, got the job done. Uh, Dubacious trained by Jeff Radosevich. Uh, so glad that there was some good news in the Luch camp. So that was a look at the races we looked at last week and a look at some of the shaking ons going on this time of year. Of course, we got horses retired, and we got horses pointing for the Breeders' Cup. And hopefully all those horses get there safe and sound. And we're going to be talking to Gary Desroches right after we take this break on Winning Ponies. school to the pros we, we cover, everything. cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports and they're off what can't make it to the track you can still get all the action with winningponies.com the home of the easy win form the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds quarters and arabian horses at most american and canadian tracks whether it be the triple crown breeders cup travers haskell or your daily races don't worry let winningponies.com make some money for you your internet flagship station for sports Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and just about a week ago, I was kind of going over some uh, horse websites, and uh, the name uh, Gary Desroche came up, and I uh, started reading about him. He's the father of the Equi Stim Leg Saver. Uh, he's uh, up in Canada, a veteran of 48 years, uh, both thoroughbred and standardbred. He was born and raised on the west coast of Canada, and uh, he works year-round in the industry. And according to Gary, he's been involved in every aspect of uh, the racing industry. Uh, a little bit later in the interview, we're going to get into the technology behind the Equistim leg saver. But until then, I want to get to know more about the man. Gary, welcome to Winning Ponies. Well, it's good to talk to you. Well, Gary, uh, take us back in time from the time you were a kid. Uh, what's your background and what was your introduction to the horse? Well, in um, 1950. My dad bought a thoroughbred filly in the uh, Kentucky sale and um, bought it back to Vancouver and started training. And, of course, I was on the horse's back to break it. And that's where we started. And uh, it's progressed from there, from breaking a horse to hot walking to grooming to owning and training. So I've done it all. 
Um, so who, who did you start out with? Uh, was it just your father, or did you work with uh, other trainers eventually? Well, I started with my father, but then I graduated to, uh, my dad wasn't a very good trainer, so um, I graduated to some of the better trainers on our racetrack just to learn. And uh, it worked out very well. I worked for a guy named Bud McDonald, who was the leading trainer, uh, a guy named Cy Anderson. Um, but this is way back when these guys aren't even alive anymore. <laughs> but, yeah, that's what I've, I've learned. And I've, I've been dealing with this leg saver. I've, I've been dealing with John Sheriff, who's a thoroughbred trainer. Vignata uh, oh, yeah. is one of his horses. He won the Kentucky Derby with Giacomo. Um, I've done a lot of different things things with different trainers, um, and uh, I've been developing this product over the last 17 years, okay? So we've worked with trainers in Japan, we've worked with trainers in U.S., Canada, U.K., South Africa, where else? Dubai. <laughs> so we've been around. Well, uh, now, <clears throat> the, the invention itself and the story uh, behind the Equistim uh, leg saver, uh, <clears throat> what day did the did the light go off where you said, "I think I can discover something that's going to improve horses' health"? Yeah, what what it started out is I, a buddy of mine, we bought a horse in, in the sale in Vancouver here. It was we paid we paid I think twenty five thousand dollars for it, and it started to bow. And uh, my partner wanted to give up, and I said, "Geez, I'm not giving up for twenty five thousand dollars." So. I started searching out the systems, and the, the Grizzlies, the Vancouver Grizzly basketball team, NBA, had a product that they were using for big countries' knees and other tendons and ligament damage. So I ended up talking to the guy and uh, got him to lend me a unit for a while, and I fixed the bow tendon. So then I, I graduated from there because the guy that I got the machine from, the power pack, he gave me a book on... Um, acupuncture in horses and it was such an intriguing book and there was a section in there on ping zone therapy and i started with that and i realized oh, yeah, this I is called ping bleeding. zone therapy yeah that's so original. What, what is ting zone therapy well ting zone therapy is the use of acupoints that are located around the cornet band of the hoof all the major meridians are located there. That's where they start. So I was able to plug into these ting points uh, and run the current through the ting point, through the meridian to the organ or for, to the area of injury, creating blood flow and killing infection. So that's that's how we got started by a fluke. Well, um, t describe for our listeners exactly what the leg saver unit looks like and and how it operates now i know i want do want to tell our our, our folks that if they just uh, uh google uh www.legsaber they'll get to your site uh that's uh, yeah. very informative especially uh, the videos that kind of show how you attach it uh to the horse so if you would in your uh, words kind of describe what the unit looks like okay the unit comes with a harness it's a martindale harness and it and that harness holds the power pack. So you put the harness on the horse and you run wires to whichever area you want to treat. Like if I go to the back feet, I use a seven foot wire plus a three foot extension. And I put wraps on to hold the wires in place. 
I use tape on top to hold the wire there. And then I treat the ting points on the back feet. Then if I just want to run a wire to the front feet, all I need is a seven-foot wire, and I do the front feet. And I have Paston wraps that have an electrode sewn into it that I put gel on, put that on the ting point, and wrap it around and snug it up. So i got to do both feet at the same time. I don't use, you can't do one ting point. You must do both. Because if I do the lungs on the front feet, I've got to do both lung ting points. There's one on each foot. Oh. Same as in the back. I'm doing the liver. I've got to do both ting points on the rear for the liver. they got to balance, okay? Now, how do you decide where you put it? Because I, I noticed that over the years you've discovered that uh, different parts of a horse's body are responsive to this, uh, and we're, so we're not just talking about a bowed tendon or perhaps a, a hock, but you're telling me that this has actually uh, helped with uh, one of the major uh, issues in racing, and that's lung bleeding. Of course, for our listeners, they'll know that the, the, the immediate go-to for most trainers and veterinarians is Lasix, uh, but you've actually been able to affect that with your invention. Yes, we have. Um... When I started out, there was a lot of horses on Lasix that were still bleeding. So I started treating them, and we stopped the bleeding. And then when I went... How do you determine how it gets there? Well, I just put it on the lung ting points. This book that I bought that I referred to, which was got a a chapter in it by Ting Point, Ting Zone Therapy, is by a gentleman in Norway, a guy named Ari Thorsenson. He's an acupuncturist and a vet. And I took his book and I started reading it and I was reading it. I must have read it a thousand times because every time I read it, I got something out of it. But he's the guy that started me on the lungs. And I was so thrilled to be able to do that because some of these horses, they they just can't race without bleeding. And so anyway, we started doing that. Then we started doing in other countries, worked there without Lasex. People weren't using Lasex because you can't use it, only in North America. So in the Europe... We had a horse run second in the Grand National, and uh, he had bowed the year before, and he went off at, I think, 150 to 1, and my trainer <laughs> told me to put 20-20 on it, and I put 20 pounds to win in place at the racing post. It comes second, almost won, and it paid $84. So that was a <laughs> big bet. <laughs> well, not, not bad at all. Well, um has it caught on with the thoroughbred community? Are you getting more contact? I mean, if you're dealing with a guy like John Sheriffs, I got to think uh, the word's going to get out. Well, it's still very hard. Um, in, in like in Japan, I have the leading trainers. I have everybody. They all they just love it. But in, there's a there's a resistance to an alternative therapies here. And what I have to do is I have to start traveling. And putting, and putting in my time, say, at Belmont, at uh, Gulfstream and Saratoga, California. I, I've already been to California a number of times. But it's really hard to keep the people interested. And, but it, it is making it its, uh, its way in, but the, the racing community is hard. It's very, very hard. Vets don't like me, okay? 
I'm, well, I, I'm sure. I'm sure vets don't because uh, your uh, approach is uh, uh, stated is kind of holistic. You're not. You're not injecting the horse. You're not giving the horse some kind of pill. Uh, you're letting it kind of heal itself from within. I'm kind of understanding. Yes. Well, what we've done lately is I'm ready to go a big time with the thoroughbreds. They'll probably start right after Christmas time. But we've developed the, the, the hawk treatment is amazing for racehorses. We didn't realize that all these racehorses have hawk issues. Going around the same circle the same way every damn race is difficult on the hawks. And there is no give to the hawks, so it has to adjust on its own. So it gets, it gets inflammation. Now, we remove inflammation the best of any product out there. We remove it in ankles and hawks and knees all the time. Now, the, uh, the, this hawk treatment, I started treating Grand Prix jumpers at Thermal in California. And I watched and I saw, holy crow, these guys, when they come down from a jump, they really concussed the hawk. So we started treating hawks and we did 10 hawks on, on, on Grand Prix jumpers with Heather Mack, uh, one of our vets. And, we had nine cleared clean jumps, which is uncommon. One that didn't lost three shoes on the first jump. So it was a very, very good indication that, hey, we were onto something, not realizing <laughs> that I had to go into the race horses. And now there's so many horses have hawk issues. It's, uh, it's amazing. And, and we well, can, Gary, it, it sounds like you've been, uh, you've been great for the game. We're at the bottom of the hour now. Um, I do want to thank you for being a, a guest. And, again, uh, I guess probably the best way to, to get a hold of you is for anybody to just kind of uh, Google uh, legsaver.com, and they'll get your 1-800 number and be able to contact you uh, and learn more about equine holistic therapy. Definitely. I would love to hear from them. We've got lots of good things happening. All right, thank you very much. From Canada, we've been talking to Gary Disrochez, and coming up, we're going to Kentucky to talk to one of my favorite writers and handicappers, Marty McGee. We're closing in on the Breeders' Cup, and you're listening to Winning Ponies. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds Bart. They need to bitch his ass and then move oh, on. I just, I just think that the coach made a mistake. Oh, crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. 
Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and back to a man that is no stranger to you if you listen to this show. It's Marty McGee from the Daily Racing Forum. Uh, he's been working with them since 1992, and uh, within the last couple of years, he has received racing's highest award, the Eclipse Award, for his outstanding writing skills, and he's going to be a busy man in the weeks ahead. That's why I didn't want to get him too close to the to the Breeders' Cup, because I knew that he'd be swamped. So, Marty, thanks for taking the time for being with us tonight. For my old friend John Engelhart, of course. <laughs> well, uh, Marty, you know you're you're amongst one of the dwindling professions in the world as we're seeing regular turf riders just kind of disappearing. I mean that, or as somebody leaves, they don't replace them, and they just seem to like double up the writer's duties. Uh, what's it like seeing the, the the press box slowly become more and more empty over the last couple of years? Oh, man, that is a that tugs at my heartstrings, John. Because you introduced me to somebody who came on to the uh, who became started working with the forum in 1992, but in actuality, back in 1985, I began writing for the Baltimore Sun about horse racing specifically, and we had absolute icons in the press boxes of Maryland uh, back then. And they even told stories of how back in the days in the 60s and 70s, how those press boxes were full of newspaper writers. Of course, it was a way different era. Now everything is online and and news is disseminated and, and uh, gathered and gleaned uh, in various ways that, and little to do with the actual uh, ink and paper. So it's it's pretty sad, but I, I'll tell you, I've really learned how to write about various things, including horse racing, from those days. And when you just had real solid journalists like Gail Austin, Andrew Beyer was there, Jack Mann. Um, <clears throat> Vinny Perone was one of the best writers I've ever read around. He was a contemporary, but he caught on to the game, and he was a eloquent writer. Um, so I think maybe one of the reasons you're bringing this up is that Jimmy Reese of the Courier Journal agreed this week to take a buyout from the, from, uh, the Gannett newspaper syndicate. And she essentially was the last, uh, existing full-time turf writer for a national, for a, any daily newspaper, uh, in, United States of America. So it, it basically signals an end to the, to, uh, to the profession of independent, or I should say, turf writer for these newspapers. Um, and it's really kind of a, it's, it's really kind of a, a an awakening. Um, now you do have trade papers such as the Blood Horse and the, the uh, publication I work for, the Daily Racing Forum and a number of other things that you can qualify as trades. But as far as newspapers that are read by the general public, um, the turf writer position is gone by the wayside. And a lot of that, is, uh, a lot of that, John, is not just a function of the changing medium in this modern world, but um, <clears throat> the way that newspapers themselves do business and, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to cry a river about it, but I I, I will say that uh, 
man, I'm glad I lived back in that era 30 years ago when I first started. It was, it was so great. It was so fun, um, from a personal standpoint. And, uh, as an old guy now, we just got to learn how to <laughs> adapt and change and, and move on and, and, uh, provide the services that, uh, the racing public, the, the fans, uh, won from us. Well, you, you read my mind on uh, on Jenny. Uh, I had sat down and probably talked with her for about a half an hour up at the Keeneland Press Box last week, and I was kind of floored when I first got the word. At that point, she wasn't 100% sure she was going to take the buyout. There were things going on. Uh, the way it timed out, they were supposed to let her go like two days before the Breeders' Cup. I certainly hope they worked that out. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I, 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 I hold her up, you know, in, in – as I do you, as uh, somebody that not only you know has mastered their craft, but somebody uh, that has been a part of the sport and loves the sport, and it comes across in in your writing. And uh, I'll go back to your Eclipse Award. Uh, that that story on uh, Kent DeSormo and in part his brother. Uh, I mean, you put us right in the front seat of the car with those guys, and now it's just like pings and blurbs and headlines and let's move on um you know people just aren't honing the craft as they would because it's such a marvelous game to write about and that's i guess one thing i'm kind of segueing into um like what kind of storylines do you see coming up on this breeders cup obviously the classic has numerous stories inside it uh i didn't know if they assign if the form assigns you to like three specific races and then let's just say jay prisman or somebody that everybody's assigned a couple races to key in on so what are some of the storylines you see coming up in the next couple weeks well jay prisman speaking of him he does have the classic he's had the classic for years for us and obviously it's a i, I really kind of wish liam's map was running in the classic, it would make it that much of a better race. But it, you have, for the first time ever, obviously since the Breeders' Cup didn't start until 1984, um, and we hadn't had a Triple Crown winner since 1978, you're going to have the first ever, and let's hope that everything goes to the way we all want it to, and American Pharaoh can make it into the starting gate. You're going to have the first ever Triple Crown winner starting in the Breeders' Cup. So you have that, and it's a it's a huge angle, especially with as good as the mayor beholder has become and how she presents a legitimate challenge to him. Now, those are the top two there, but you also have, in any other given year, you have horses like Glenn Eagles from Aiden O'Brien's powerful stable uh, coming over here. You have Keen Ice for Dale, uh, for Dale Romans. You have Frosted for Kieran, who's been a really nice three-year-old. You have Honor Code. And Tonalist, a couple of really nice older horses. So hopefully this race holds together. The reason I wanted John for Williams Master Run, I really thought that he could present a legitimate pace presence in the classic at a mile and a quarter and, and make American Farrell and the holder run um, through the early fractions. Now, if it, you know, God knows, and maybe we'll talk about this for a second, but I sure hope that Keeneland is not a repeat of what we had eight years ago at Mama Park in that the weather holds up because I, I really think that that's going to be essential in terms of uh, hosting what we would all view as more or less a legitimate uh, renewal of the Breeders' Cup uh, 
you know, in terms of track surfaces and, and comforts, actually for the fans. Well, it's it's going to be something else. And again, you know, the the, the play up is kind of uh, the new Zenyatta beholder against American Pharaoh. But you ran off a, a list of a half a dozen other horses that would be no surprise to upset those top two. Yeah, no, I, and you know, you asked me about other storylines. Uh, the races that I am personally covering are, and I've been canvassing this race for about a month, is the Chilling Mare Sprint. And we got probably at least 12 to 14 in there. I think 14 the most that can run in that seven furlong race. It's way wide open. With a guy like Wesley Ward bringing back Judy the Beauty, you've got Karen McLaughlin with cavorting. Um, you have Stone Tastic for Kelly being a really fast filly, uh, and just a number of others that you can look them all up on DRS.com. Uh, we, we have a full list of all the not just the top ten in each race, but also the, uh, the the horses who would also fill out the field. So uh, some really interesting stuff as we get draw ever closer to the uh, 32nd Breeders' Cup Championships at Keeneland. Well, and also another storyline in there, who knows where to be. Uh, she could be the belle of the ball of the Breeders' Cup, would be Sophie Doyle. She was kind enough to be a guest on the show last week. I first met her racing at Turfway. She's raced over at Belterra Park this summer. And to think that she's now going to be riding in a Breeders' Cup race, uh, should she win, what a story that's going to be. It's going to be great. You know, I, I was unaware that her brother is a uh, pretty accomplished uh, British jock named James Doyle. Oh, yeah. You guys talked about that. And uh, we actually had like an editorial teleconference yesterday for Daily Racing Forum discussing various uh, story ideas. And that was that was brought up with Sophie uh, and uh, her connection to James. You know, Sophie, uh, as well as she's done with Fioretti and uh, some other things, she, she just hasn't accomplished as much as her brother has. But my gosh, she could jump right into the... Uh, Right into uh, fame and fortune of the American racing circles by uh, with the big race from Fioretti and the filling in their sprint. Absolutely. Well, her brother, I know, it rides for Godolphin over in Europe, and I believe this week uh, Sophie rode two Godolphin horses for Owen Hardy. That, those must have been up at Belterra, is that correct? Uh, no, I think it was maybe Indiana. Okay, or um, Indiana or Belterra, yeah. I mean, they'd like to have... Uh, Go Dolphin, you know, as all the big breeders do, they like to have their fillies break their maid, and that way at least when they take them to the shelving stage, she was a winner. So exactly, that and that's where we see them all, and I can name a few others like Claiborne Farm and stuff, you know. When, when I see them coming into into Cincinnati in a maiden special, it's like, well, you know what's going on here. A winning yeah, daughter of Warfront now entering the sales ring. <laughs> that yeah, immediately puts a couple extra thousand on them. Or, or Kentucky, yeah. So. But... Uh, uh, they're telling me I only got about uh, a couple minutes till till the till the break here. So let, let's go to the shortest field that we're probably going to look at uh, on the show this week. Um, the uh, Belmont uh, Futurity. It's been run for 125 years. Uh, these horses, uh, on average, have only had three starts, and it looks like the only uh, one that had success at Belmont was this King Krantz, uh, breaking from the inside. Uh, did you get a chance to look at this field, Marty? I, I did, and there were a couple of horses I wrote down that uh, really kind of stood out to me. One was Legend Keeper. In his first start, after having been purchased by David Jacobson, 
And I just thought that maybe that horse coming out of the shorter races and with, with the, uh, as well as David's doing up New York, that uh, this horse would show a lot of gas. I thought he was going to be good. And then the, the bottom horse for Eddie Plesa, uh, I just thought that that, that horse has had, had some seasoning and is liable to get a very good trip outside. So I would, I would use both, uh, Full Salute and, uh, Legend Keeper and, and, and that, and the, uh, Belmont Futurity on Saturday. Well, again, this race uh, is at uh, six furlongs, um, so normally you see him going out to a mile and a sixteenth. Um, I just thought that that uh, kid Krantz uh, put in a huge race last time and, and just missed. Of course, we break it from the rail. Um, a race we're going to look at after we take a quick break is going to be the Hawthorne Derby. And, Marty, I don't know if you noticed this or not, but um, uh, Joe Bravo and John Velasquez, I'm guessing are sharing a private jet because they're going to ride in the futurity that's carded as the third race at Belmont for 200000 and then they're scheduled to ride in another time zone uh, going for the 150000 in the Hawthorne Derby. I don't know if you know anything about that, but they're, they're listing both races on horses that they've had uh, experience with. I do not know. I didn't know that, John, but, you know, when they try and do that, that close together, everything better go right from the taxi to the airplane to the taxi there, and you know, just no traffic anywhere. But uh, at least Midway is real close to Hawthorne. I know that. <laughs> it, it will be interesting. Well, well, we're talking uh, with uh, Marty McGee, Eclipse Award-winning writer from the Daily Racing Forum. When we come back, I'm going to tap into him to take a look at that Hawthorne Derby, and then a race that he wrote about this week. Uh, concerning Bar of Gold in the Lexus Raven Run in his backyard at Keeneland. So let's take a quick break. We come back. We'll be talking once again with Marty McGee. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. From high school to the pros, we, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports... Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. And with me, Marty McGee, the Eclipse Award-winning writer from the Daily Racing Forum. 
Uh, of course, uh, you grew up in Louisville. His brother, uh, Paul, a very successful uh, trainer in his own right. So uh, Marty's got connections all over the place. But as we uh, spoke uh, just before the break there, we're talking about uh, John Velasquez and Joe Bravo uh, riding at Belmont Park uh, on Saturday. And then obviously they're going to have to, I guess, hop on a private jet and get their butt up to Hawthorne. I do believe they're in another time zone uh, to get into the grade three Hawthorne Derby. It's interesting, Marty, when I looked at this Hawthorne Derby, of course, it's not like other derbies. This one's only a mile and an eighth, and it's also on the turf, but it is obviously restricted to three-year-olds. But there's several top jockeys in this uh, race besides Johnny V and Joe Rocco uh, that are taking their day off to go to Chicago. Uh, One is Drayden Van Dyke, who will be riding a wireless future, who looked like he had a future on the derby trail and got sidelined. And uh, then uh, Robbie Alvarado, who's been riding uh, in Canada for Mark Frostad on this lucky Lindy. You know, does that, is that uh, kind of a handicapping or a tip angle when, when a jockey will go out of his way, maybe take off? live mounts at his hometown track uh, t- to travel to a place like Hawthorne and, and, and pick up a mount? Oh, John, I, I wouldn't necessarily think so. I mean, what's, what's the purse on this? Like 300 on the Hawthorne Derby? Uh, Hawthorne Derby is only 150000 It is a grade three, whereas the Futurity is 200000 earlier in the day. Yeah. You know, a lot of that is just a matter of circumstance and politics with the you know, if the trainer wants the jock to keep the mount, um, you know, just not for this particular race, or the, the agent will say, yeah, well, sure, of course I'll come riding and uh, give up the, the day's mount, which might be, you know, especially on Saturdays, might be really lucrative. Um, but yeah, I would not necessarily think that, you know, we used to have guys say, well, Don Brumfield's riding the last race, so he, he's sticking around all day and he's going to, you know, he, he must think he's going to win. I, I just never try and read into that kind of stuff too much because there's just so much behind-the-scenes stuff that you would, um, you know, especially with my brother having trained, I know all this stuff, and having worked with all these trainers, there's just there's just so much that goes into it that doesn't necessarily mean that you think you're going to win. Like, I've had many people, John, say, Marty, you're dressed up today. Your brother's got three in. You must think you're getting your picture taken. <laughs> It's like no, it's like it has nothing to do with that. So, uh, <laughs> and as you all know too, John, you got to get lucky wearing your photos, even after all that happens. If you really think you're going to win, so there you go. Well, uh, one of the horses that might be the one that uh, could take down the Hawthorne Derby. I know you got a chance to watch, and that is Joe Rocco's mount. Saham, if I'm correcting uh, correctly saying that name, uh, put it put in a pretty solid effort there, uh, going a mile at Churchill on the turf. Of course, he'll have to stretch out a mile and an eighth, uh, something he hasn't won at yet. But uh, how impressive was he in the Jefferson Cup? Because we got a couple of horses in here that came out of that race. He was so impressive, and, and I really think he's going to win the Hawthorne Derby uh, on Saturday. He. This is a horse I've followed ever since he threw his jock at the start when I was down at Gulfstream back in February, and the horse came back next out and broke its maiden. And and the horse was a little bit speed crazy, but his last race in the Jefferson Cup in the Jefferson Cup was so impressive because 
he raided off the pace and circled and went ahead and finished up really strong. And I know there's a lot of, there, it's like a, a melting pot in this race. Horses coming from everywhere, and it's kind of hard to, to, to gauge all their form. But I really do think that Saham, he will be less than 4-1, to one, which is what his morning line is. And uh, um, Brendan Wallace has really done a fabulous job with getting this horse to, to rate, and I really think he's a very likely winner uh, of the race on Saturday. Well, he uh, just got up by three quarters of a length in that uh, that Jefferson Cup. We'll just allude briefly to uh, to Johnny's ride. Should he get there in time? Uh, he's riding for Grand Motion, and again, this could be one of those things where uh, Angel Gadero wants to make sure that uh, he maintains a good relationship. I mean, this horse had had been racing over in France and only made one start in the U.S. It was in a almost hundred thousand dollars stake, ungraded. Um, and ran third, finished willingly. I just wonder if this is a horse that Johnny V wants to make sure that he's still got his name on, should he improve? Because, again, this being a derby, there are only three-year-olds. Well, he probably does. Uh, I can tell you, Grand Motion was a keenly today, and I was there with him, talking to him. And he was leaving tonight, going back to Maryland, what's today, Thursday? And then I asked him what he was doing on Sunday, which he has a couple of horses in the Gallagher at Keeneland. He said... <laughs> He said he'll be at Woodbine watching um, for a couple of two-year-olds he's got there. So he'll be watching the team of the So I guess on Saturday he will be home at uh, Fair Hill watching his horses run at at, Lost, at, excuse me, at Hawthorne and elsewhere, John. So, um, you know, again, I, I don't know how tight of the deadline is going to be for Bravo and uh, and for Johnny to, to make it over to uh, – from Belmont to Chicago, that just seems like an arduous kind of uh, challenging trip, uh, like an itinerary for them. Well, it looks like they thought they could do it. Well, let's uh, let's close the show out with a, uh, a race. I know you're familiar with it because you've already written about it, and that is the Lexus Raven Run. It's a grade two, quarter million dollars on the line. I love seven furlong races, and as, uh, as you stated, um, Bar of Gold Connections are very happy that Cavorting decided not to uh, enter into this one. Well, like I told you, I've been canvassing the BC Philly and Mare Sprint for, you know, four or five weeks. And when I first contacted John Kimmel, the trainer of Bar of Gold, uh, a number of weeks ago about what his status was for her toward the Breeders' Cup, he said, <laughs> I just don't want to run against Cavorting anymore. So uh, with Cavorting... She actually worked, I believe, this morning at Belmont for Karen. Um, with the morning, definitely pointing to the Breeders' Cup, killing their sprint as one of the favorites. Bar Gold comes into the Raven Run as one of the, um, definitely one of the horses to beat. She draws well with uh, Les Conrad, the rider from Post 2. She's 5-2 and two on the morning line. Uh, if you're going to beat her, and by the way, John, she is not a stakes winner, believe it or not, as, as well as she has run in, in a number of her allowance victories and behind the boarding in those graded states up at, at Saratoga. Um, there are a number of, other, number of other horses in here who have a really good chance in there. Uh, I think Al Stahl rates uh, real close looks with paid-up subscri- subscriber and with Chide toward the outside. Um, and then Graham has Miss Pella, who actually won here in the, at Keeneland in the spring in the uh, grade two Beaumont. So there's a number of ways to go uh, in the Raven Run on Saturday at Keeneland. Well, it's funny. You know, I, I had notes on four horses. You've already mentioned three of them. 
Uh, just one horse I want to ask you about, because I know we only got about a minute left, is uh, have you heard anything about Forever Unbridled? They thought enough about this horse, the runner in the Kentucky Oaks. She's spitting bullets in the morning for Dallas Stewart. Is there any buzz on that filly? Well, I actually wrote something about her about a week ago, John, and I she had it's it's kind of confusing. It's Forever Unbridled as a three year old and Unbridled Forever, her full sister, won the Grade One Ballerina and was going to be a top contender for the Breeders' Cup Filling Mare Sprint. She got injured, and then in the process of of me talking to Dallas about her, he said, "Well, her little sister Forever Unbridled. I'm going to run her in a race on Breeders' Cup weekend." Well, lo and behold, I guess Dallas thinks that she's ready enough to go ahead and run with these seven eights. I don't know how tight she's going to be. I would think maybe she will benefit from this race on Saturday and then run in the Port Springs on Breeders' Cup weekend. It'd be real sloppy in there. But uh, I would think that she might need one given the timeline that, that Dallas had laid out for me, you know, about a week ago. All right, Marty McGee, you're the best. Thanks for all the inside information, and thanks for the, taking the time to be with us here on Winning Ponies, and I look forward to seeing you on Breeders' Cup weekend, my friend. I don't know if I'm the best, but I, I hopefully I'm in the top 25. And, John, it's always, <laughs> uh, always good to be with you. Hands down, Marty McGee, Eclipse Award-winning writer from the Daily Racing Forum. Uh, always great to hear his voice. I want to thank uh, uh, Gary Disrochus for sharing information about his interesting uh, background and invention. And I want to thank you for listening. And once again, my eyes look over the manicured turf course past the Ohio River to the hills of Kentucky. I want to remind everybody listening to Winning Ponies, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.